Hi, everyone. Thanks for checking out You Do What? Now, this is our look at the jobs and careers that are unique or maybe just a little more fun than that average nine to five position. For LJN Radio, I'm your host, Tim Muma. Today, we're speaking with Brianna Messerschmidt. Now, she's a studio animal trainer. So what does that mean exactly? Well, she trains animals for acting roles in movies and TV. So I'd call that fun and unique. She works for a company called Hollywood Paws. That's P-A-W-S. That's out in California, and you've actually probably seen a number of the animals that they've trained, mostly dogs, as they've been in movies like Hotel for Dogs, Charlie's Angels, and Daddy Daycare, just to name a few. They've also been in countless TV shows and commercials as well. Brianna, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Of course. It's definitely an interesting career to have and a business to really be a part of as far as training animals for showbiz. First of all, just tell us a little bit about how you got interested in doing something like this. What really drove you to pursue such a unique and relatively rare profession? Yeah, sure. So I have been interested in working with animals since I was a very little girl, grew up on a a farm. Hmm. So basically what I ended up wanting to do is kind of actually making that a career. So I went to a school. The school is in Moore Park. It's called the EDM Program or America Teaching Zoo. And EDM stands for the Exotic Animal and Training Management nice. Program. Yes. And so I went there for two years. It's a, it's a bit of a long program. You take classes so it's part of the college curriculum. And then when you're learning about how to train animals and the behavior of animals and whatnot, then you can actually go out and practice on the animals that they have since they're a fully functioning zoo there. So went there, got a bunch of experience working with animals. Walked mountain lions, you know, worked with parrots, all of that jazz. And I ended up interning where I work now, and they liked me, so they hired me. So I've been there ever since. (laughs) And we're talking about Hollywood Paws. And uh, for those who don't know about it, obviously, you can check out the site, HollywoodPaws.com. What kind of animals are you working with there? Is it mainly dogs, cats? Are there other animals that you'll work with? How does that all kind of come together for you? Yeah, so predominantly, we do work with dogs. I don't know if you have um, noticed, but whenever you are watching television, you know, I'm looking at ads or, or movies, the animal that you're predominantly going to see is dogs. Sure. And so the, the biggest you know, field for studio work is in that area. So that's where we specialize. Okay. But we do work with some other animals too. Like my iguana has been on a commercial. We've worked with other random things too. My bird's done a few things, but predominantly dogs, even over cats. <laughs> I like to hear that. Uh, I have a couple of colleagues who are in love with cats, so they probably be a little sadder, but, uh, but I, I prefer the dog route. <laughs> now, when it comes to uh, the dogs themselves, what type of methods are used in terms of training? I mean, is it all commands? Do you use things like food or noises in any way? I mean, give us a little insight into how you really begin to train them and develop to what they need to be. So basically, the main methods that we use are through positive reinforcement. Okay. So basically, yeah, we use a lot of food, (laughs) lots of treats, (laughs) whatever the dog is really motivated for, which is predominantly food. Right. (laughs) The dogs always have to, when they're acting on set, be far away from us. So basically, if they do not want to do what we're talking about, they're just not going to do it. Hmm. There's no way to force a dog to do something when they're 20 feet away, you know, in front of a camera. So the biggest thing we have to do is basically convince the dog to do what we want it to do. And so that's basically through... Like I said, positive reinforcement, do this and I'll give you your, uh, your favorite treat. And, and so that's what we, we predominantly do. But we have a lot of different tools in our toolbox and we're kind of willing to do whatever, you know, it, it takes as long as it's, you know, 
ethical. No one's getting hurt, obviously, but mm-hmm. we've gone to school for a, a long time um, and we do have a lot of tricks to the trade and whatnot to kind of help us get whatever we need to get done. So what do you most commonly need to train the dogs to do? Are there certain acts that are common that you're going to see in movies and TV that you really focus on? And and of course, I'm sure every animal is going to be different, but are there certain areas that you really like to key in on? Oh, yes. So when you see movies, commercials, print, all of that, typically, unless it's like Airbud, a dog is just being a dog. Mm-hmm. That's it. <laughs> it's nothing special. Okay. You know, it's, it's nothing like swinging a bat or anything. It's just being a dog. So the biggest things that we work on is dogs being dogs' behaviors, a very high level of obedience. So sit down, you know, we have other things as well, like bark, you know, go on your side and pretend that you could be, you know, dead because you got hit by a car or be, <laughs> or be asleep, you know, put your head up and head down. Like, uh, so if someone comes over to the door, supposedly, you're supposed to look interested, your head pops up. So nothing particularly crazy. It's just dogs being dogs on cue, 20 feet away with a million and a half distractions going on because there's obviously cameras, crew, food for everyone who's hungry, actors all over the place. It's an extremely distracting environment. So the biggest thing we work on, especially in the beginning, is just a dog being a dog on cue. And then from there, we have other things that we can do to get, you know, a dog even more versatile. Sure. Things like workaways or other very difficult things that we can work on. But but yeah, we start with the basics. With the dogs that you work with, do you end up going then on set with them or is it you're doing all the training and then you sort of let them go to their own devices with their owners or however that works? A Hollywood Paws job always has a Hollywood Paws trainer there. Okay. So um, an owner can come in, let's say, and say, hey, I have a dog. I really want it to be famous or, or get something and we'll help the owner learn how to do all those kind of things. Mm-hmm. The owner will keep up on the training at home. But if the dog is ever submitted and chosen for a production, myself or another Hollywood Paws trainer would always be there. Okay, cool. So then when you're on the set, obviously, there, as you said, there are a lot of things going on and there are directions being, for lack of a better word, barked out to people in different areas. Do you still speak commands or do you have to keep everything like hand motions? How does it all work on the set? Because I just, I'm trying to envision how you get a dog to react to something, especially if they're doing it over and over again with a certain scene. Yeah. So it depends. If it's a still shoot, then obviously I can talk to the dog as much as I want right. <laughs> because they're not rolling audio. And so I will. But our dogs are trained to have audio cues and visual cues okay. and be just as good with either of them. So if it's a still, I can talk as much as I want to to the dogs, get their attention, get their looks, use squeaker toys or anything like that. It's like a perk deer or something. But when it comes to um, when they're rolling audio, we have to be a little bit more creative, especially if there's actors with lines. Because mm, <laughs> sure. you're never supposed to uh, speak over someone's line. Right. So we do have our visual cues, which almost always works. And then every now and then we can maybe get in a little you know, squeak or, or calling the dog's name or something like that if they you need to get their attention when they're not rolling or not having those lines. Can you give us an idea of uh, some of those visual cues? I mean, are they as simple as just a hand motion or do you have actual, I don't know, particular items that you're sort of moving around? Like, how does that all work? Again, it depends. Uh, like I said, we have a lot of different tools in our toolbox. It's predominantly our hands. Okay. But we do have different hand cues that I'm sure you've seen. A lot of them are fairly small because a lot of the times we are smashed into something. 
so that the camera won't see us. And so we don't have a lot of space to right. be shooting our hands all over the place. So a lot of them are tiny, but we also have some like physical things too. Like one tool that we have, it's called an aim stick. So if we really need to get a dog to look somewhere that we can't be, or if it needs to like look straight up or, right. or something, we have a tool that they're trained to stare at the end of okay. basically. So that, that's a tool, but most of the time cues come from, from us. Sometimes we'll teach a actor to give certain cues if the dog is supposed to be looking at them. Sure. Or we'll trade something called um, a work away, which is when we basically can stash some food somewhere on the scene that the camera's <laughs> not going to see, right. but the dog is very aware that it's there. And the dog is trained to basically stare at that food wherever it may be. And whenever it hears cues, like sit down on your feet, whatever it might be, they're supposed to act towards the food, not towards the trainer. Right. So again, there's a little bit of a prop there, the food itself, but most of the time it's going to be towards the, towards the trainer and the hand cues. Okay. I'm getting uh, nagged here by my engineer to ask about cats a little bit. So <laughs> I'm going to at least bring it up because I'm sure there are plenty of listeners out there who are curious, especially because let, you know, let's stereotype here. Dogs seem to be a little more um, uh, amendable to training and, uh, and listen pretty well. Cats, from my point of view, like to do their own thing. So is it different in training a cat? Is it, is it more difficult from your experience? How can you compare the two? You know, the concepts of training are the same. Okay. However, they're two completely different animals, obviously. Cats, you're right, tend to want to do their own thing. So they're harder to motivate. Dogs tend to want to please. So that's a lot easier to get a dog to do mm-hmm. whatever you want versus a cat, you have to really convince them. Do you use like bells and stuff for a cat versus a dog? You know, they do have other kinds of training techniques. Okay. Like one thing is um, buzzers. If you want a cat to go from one place to another, one thing you can do is you actually put like a remote control buzzer somewhere and they're trained to go find the sound. Hmm. So that's a little different for cats. But I mean, cats are just as smart as dogs. They are almost to their own detriment. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, many people will tell me, you know, I, I have the, the smartest cat and knows how to sit, knows how to lie down, all of these amazing things. But then I'll just ask them, okay, well, can they do it outside of your house? Right. And the answer is almost always no. <laughs> or even, can you give your cat a treat outside of your house and they will eat it? Mm-hmm. And the answer is almost always no. Interesting. Because once the cat leaves home, you know, it's more interested in everything else that's going on, right. whether it be you know, hiding or paying attention to the sky or whatever it might be. And that motivation for food just drops. Right. So they're a lot more difficult to motivate and therefore harder to work on set just because like you said, being on set is super distracting. Right. And so for a cat, they'd probably rather, you know, care about the distractions than what you got in your pocket. So what I'm gathering from our conversation is that uh, dogs are excellent to work with and cats are divas. That's what I'm hearing. So... <laughs> I'm just throwing it yes, out there. I, I'd agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good. See, I have somebody on my side. Uh, one more cat question because it, it, I thought of this, and, and I'm sure our listeners would have thought of it as did our engineer. How about the old uh, the laser pointer where, you know, cats, you see the YouTube oh, yeah. videos all the time going crazy. Does, does that work as far as training or is that, again, just a distraction? Um, I mean, it depends on, I know I keep answering with it. No, depends, that's fair. I get it. it. Depends. <laughs> yeah, um, there's been some, you know, jobs that I've worked with other trainers and they will use that most of the time when they actually want a cat to be following a laser pointer okay. <laughs> for, for the actual gig, right, you know? Right. But I also know plenty of cats who just could care less about laser pointers. Hmm. And the trainers actually have to train the cat to follow them. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it depends. Again, it depends on what you need. Going back to dogs, 
What would you say are some of the more difficult tasks or activities you've been able to train them to do? And I'm not talking about swinging a baseball bat because we all know that's not actually happening, but, you know, beyond kind of those basic ones that you were touching on earlier. Well, my personal dog had something that was difficult to train. Um, She actually has two Guinness World Records for it. Cool. She takes off uh, shoes and socks (laughs) off of strangers. So that was fun. (laughs) Working on an intense bite inhibition and not biting anyone's toes or anything like that. So what exactly is the record with that? So taking off socks, I'm a lot more proud of. Uh, She took off 20 socks in 50 seconds. Oh, wow. And she actually ran out of, yeah, she ran out of socks to take off. We still had 10 more seconds and there was no more (laughs) socks. So probably could have gone higher with it. But yeah, so that's one that she had. And then we went out to the Katie Couric show. Uh, in New York about a year ago, and we did it again, but with shoes. Cool. That's that's really that's awesome to hear. Obviously, you started off the show mentioning how you had always felt this love of working with animals and, and doing things with animals. Can you put into words? I mean, how much have you enjoyed being able to do this? And uh, you know, would you have changed anything as far as your career is gone and, and what you're doing now? You know, I've been so lucky with where I'm working right now. I have a lot of friends, you know, who are also in the animal field and they're struggling. Mm. You know, it's not an easy field at all. Sure. It is one that you tend to get into because you love animals, you know, and, and a lot of people really care about animals. And so there's not that many jobs available. And I have been immensely lucky to have found a job at Hollywood Pause where I do feel extremely fulfilled because I do get to work with the animals, you know, train fun things too. Another you know, passion of mine is working with people. And so I get to teach classes. And then I also get the variety of going out on set all the time, mm-hmm. you know, which is always different and working, you know, different dogs on set. So I've been incredibly lucky. If I were to go back and change anything, you know, I'd, I'd be scared that I wouldn't be where I am now. So sure. I probably wouldn't just because I'm doing good. <laughs> That's fine. If you love what you're doing, why change it, right? <laughs> right? Yeah. So I'm, I'm pretty happy. For those listening that maybe would be interested, and you said it can be very difficult, would you have any suggestions for them as far as advice of how to get their foot in the door or what they would need to do as far as, you know, schooling and education and training, that sort of thing? So the best way to get your foot in the door is to go to that program that I mentioned earlier on, which is uh, America Teaching Zoo, also known as the EDEM program, Mm -hmm. uh, Exotic Animal Training and Management Program. It's in Moore Park, which is uh, Southern California. Okay. It only takes about 50 students or so every year. Mm. And it's on a, a, basically a raffle to get in. So once you have your prereqs, you, you basically just put your name in a hat because okay. there's so many people who want to um, join this field. Right. Waiting through that, getting into it, and then actually putting your all into it is probably the best way to do and, and taking advantage of internships and whatnot. Another thing would probably be be willing to be a sponge. You know, a lot of people have been in this field for a lot longer than they have. And so the ability for someone to be a sponge and just, you know, take in information is really important in this field, as well as working with people. A lot of people try to get into this field because they care so much about animals mm-hmm. and they, ha- they don't realize how much you have to deal with people. <laughs> <laughs> so the ability to work with people is probably sometimes even more important than the ability to work with animals in this field. So being able to be versatile, be genuine, be friendly, be a hard worker, and and really put your time in, I think, is is the best thing to do. 
That is interesting. You mentioned the idea of, uh, you know, working with people so much. And I don't know if it was an actual quote from Mark Twain, but I've seen it make the rounds where he says, uh, the more I learn about people, the more I like my dog, I believe it was. So. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I don't know if it's actually his quote, but I've seen it attributed to him. So it's kind of speaking to what you're talking about there. Some other things here as far as questions go. Uh, I'm just curious as far as either yourself or Hollywood Pause in general, are there specific jobs, specific areas that uh, you would be, take pride in or that you take pride in knowing that you were able to get that dog or cat to do their duties or a particular show or a movie or, or whatever it might be, just to give the listeners an idea of, of what you've been involved in? You know, when you're in the actual moment of training the dog, you're, you're just so thrilled it's hard for me to kind of go back and think about all the different things that I've done just mm-hmm. because this is a job that you tend to live in the moment with. Sure. We had a, a movie that we did um, about a year ago now over in Montana and we had three dogs there and the dogs had to do some pretty outrageous things. And so whenever the dogs would do what they were supposed to, not that we were surprised, but we would be really proud and happy. So a lot of that time, the most difficult things was uh, distractions. Okay. And so we would have a dog that would need to like run through a forest and then find the particular stone that we placed and stand on that mark and oh, then wow. just kind of stare. Yeah, as people like walked by and said their lines or something. Again, the most difficult thing I think in, in studio work is, is distractions as opposed to the specific tricks. Mm-hmm. I've, had, I've had scenes where... Um, a dog that I was training needed to start off on a mark. So a mark is the same thing as like actors or actresses would have. It's a little physical thing that you can put somewhere in the scene and the dog is trying to stand on it with its two front feet. So I had a dog that was supposed to start off on a mark, camera rolls, it leaves when I give it the cue to, goes over to a person who's dressed up as a homeless man with fake blood all over it because he was supposed to look like he just got beaten up Mm -hmm. and he was incapacitated go over to this very scary looking person um, and start licking his face to kind of like wake him up and then sit there and wait as the the person pretends to wake up and stand up and give a few lines. We have other jobs that are a lot more fun. Um, One that was really difficult that we had only like last week was a target shoot. So this was still um, the dog needed to jump up out of the air and grab a ball which it loved the ball. It did this for as long as it possibly could. (laughs) However, they really wanted to get the shot of the second the dog grabbed the ball out of the air, Mm -hmm. in the air, and the dog looking at the camera at the same time. So (laughs) (laughs) she did this a lot, yes. You start getting on the same side as the photographers and you start like looking at the the screen of seeing what, what they got, you know, and when you see a good one, everyone just cheers. Feeling really proud in those moments of, of when the dog does it again correctly. Sure. And, and getting that lucky moment, too, of, of everything just kind of coming together. Yeah. And I appreciate you giving us some of those stories because, of course, all we see is the finished product. And, you know, oh, well, mm-hmm. that, that seemed easy. I mean, not necessarily to, to the extent of we thought that he did it on the first try or she. But uh, it is interesting to hear that, you know, it may have taken how many takes just to get that and all the distractions. I think that's cool to to give our listeners behind the scene look there. Are there certain dogs that are just easier to train in general? Oh, absolutely. But it's not necessarily a breed thing. Really? Yeah. The two things that we look for when we're evaluating dogs is dogs who are, one, food motivated. Like I said, most of the work that we do is through positive reinforcement. So if you go to hand them some food and they turn their nose up to it, it's going to be an uphill battle. Mm. And number two is confidence. Like I said, also, there's many, many distractions. And so if 
all of those noises, people, what have you, is scary to the dog or super, super interesting to the dog. Again, uphill battle, another hoop to jump through. So a dog that is confident, you know, in its skin and enjoys food are the ones that are typically going to do the best in this field. Good to know. Yeah. So, I mean, it changes among breeds. There's certainly tendencies within breeds, but, you know, different personalities and whatnot will work good for it as opposed to the specific breeds. Sure. Well, we are getting up against the clock. I just wanted to uh, ask one more thing, just asking about getting dogs to be aggressive, but obviously to the point not where they're literally hurting anybody. I mean, you kind of even referred to the idea of taking off socks or shoes without biting someone. Mm-hmm. But you know, again, people might think of like in a, a movie where it's like a police dogs or something to that effect. How does that come about? Is that a type of training you do or does that come from elsewhere? Yeah, sure. And again, though, that just because a dog looks aggressive doesn't necessarily mean that it is. Sure. So like my dog in particular is trained for all of that. She's a Belgian Malinois, which is the kind of dog that they use for police work and, and military and whatnot. Okay. Predominantly nowadays, as opposed to uh, German Shepherd. Right. She can growl on cue, so I can give her a hand cue and she just starts growling. I train that by playing with her. <laughs> <laughs> so again, there's, there's no remnants of her being aggressive right. in that. It, it's all play, but it looks aggressive hmm. because of the kind of dog she is. Right. And then she also has like barking on cue, which again, if the dog that looks like a military dog is barking, the brain sees what it wants to see. It's going to look aggressive. We also have different kind of techniques that we can use. For example, one thing that we use is called like a snarl device, which is actually just like basically a hair tie that you put on the the lip of a dog and it kind of makes it look like their teeth are curled or Mm. their lips are curled, I mean. Um, Again, looking aggressive the eye sees what it wants to, and you automatically assume this dog is, is snarling or growling. And that's, you know, that's it. <laughs> a lot of the times the dog isn't actually aggressive. Um, there are certainly times where you'll see things like bite work, where a dog will actually go over and like bite an, bite an arm or something like that. Mm-hmm. My dog, again, is trained for that. But usually when you watch dogs doing that, they're wagging their tails at the same time. It's a, <laughs> It's well, a game, you right. know, it, it's a form right. of game and that's how you train it as opposed to hate this person, destroy this person. <laughs> it's all training. It's all very organized, very controlled training for the dog as opposed to an aggressive thing. Our listeners will definitely have to keep that in mind the next time they see that, that uh, maybe on the back end, as you said, it was just really just playing for them and they're not really angry at anybody. So that's good to know and uh, some excellent insight that you've been able to give us today. We definitely appreciate you coming on and talking about a little bit of the behind the scenes stuff that, again, most people aren't going to see, but understand that there is hard work that goes into it. So Brianna, thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thank you. Unfortunately, that is all the time we have for this edition of You Do What and our look at Hollywood Animal Trainers. And to do that, we were speaking with Brianna Messerschmidt today. She's a studio animal trainer for Hollywood Paws out in California. And again, you can check them out at hollywoodpaws.com. If you'd like to get in touch with us about this show or any of our episodes on LJN Radio, send us an email to ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. You can also find us on Twitter at the LJN. And we encourage you to check out all of our podcasts on iTunes. Go ahead and search LJN Radio in the iTunes store. For everyone here at LGN Radio, I'm your host, Tim Muma. Take care, everybody.